raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time. The 284th edition of the Four Corners Podcast starts right now. This is the Four Corners Podcast. I'm the luckiest guy in the world, I've said that. To be in Chapel Hill, to be at the University of North Carolina. We win! 54 to 53, North Carolina did it! North Carolina wins the championship! With 20 seconds left to play, goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! They're on the way to win it! Worthy five! The Tar Heels are going to win the national championship! Weber, front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout. They're out of timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul on Michigan. They're out of timeout. Front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to head. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. I've been the luckiest coach in the world. Pump fake for three. Too strong on the shot. That's it. The Tar Heels are the national dadgum champions. Carolina has been tested and tried and been proven successful through all the years. And the way that we will play will be the Carolina way. My love for North Carolina, I mean, I love this school, I love these fans, and I love everything about it, and I would I would die for this school, I really would. Here are your hosts, Josh Marlowe and Anthony Pagnotta. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Just Josh here with you guys tonight. Um, Anthony is, is experiencing some technical difficulties, so... Um, unable to join us for this edition of the podcast, but he'll be back as we get ready for the UConn game uh, in the Jimmy V Classic next week. Well, tonight I'm gonna I'm gonna take you through Carolina's 78 to 70 comeback win over Florida State. We'll take a look at the box score as we always do. You'll hear from the head coach of the Tar Heels, Hubert Davis. We'll give the stat of the game and so much more. Um, but we'll go ahead and, and dive right in to Carolina's come-from-behind win over the Knolls. Um, the Heels trailed by as many as 14 in the second half, 45-31, to 31, before Carol- Carolina would utilize a 22-0 run in the second half to build a 70-56 to 56 lead on their way to victory. The 22-0 the run is the biggest such run that Carolina has gone on since a 42-4 run against Notre Dame all the way back in the 2021 ACC tournament. And it was led by R.J. Davis, who led the Heels in scoring for the fourth straight game, the longest such streak of his career. And the third straight game, he scored 27 points or more. The first time a Carolina player has done that since Joseph Forte did so back during his magical year in 2001 where he won ACC Player of the Year and led Carolina on a long winning streak in the number two seed in the NCAA tournament. Um, Carolina got off to a slow start, trailed 35-29 at halftime, 
shot just 18% from behind the three-point line. Before that big second half that uh, catapulted Carolina and an improved Carolina to 57-14 and 14 all-time in ACC openers, um, including 62-9 and nine in ACC home openers as Carolina uh, was challenged with building off of the big win earlier in the week against number 10, Tennessee. It took a while to see um, that come to fruition. It took about 28 minutes or so, but the last 12, 12 and a half minutes of the game – um, is as good as Carolina has looked in ACC play on both ends of the court under Hubert Davis, and it resulted in a big 78-70 win. Let's take a look at the box score, guys. Um, and it's a pretty one in a lot of ways for Carolina. Um, they shot 42% from the field. They were 24-57. Uh, meanwhile, Florida State, after a, a hot start in the first half, they ended up just shooting 40% from the field. They were 27 of 67. Um, Three-point shooting was a struggle for the Heels. They were just 5 of 22 per, uh, for 23%, but what we knew it was going to be a challenge and a struggle. Um, Florida State has been holding their opponents to 26% shooting from behind the three-point line. We saw that up close and personal today. On the flip side, Florida State was 12 of 28 from behind the, the arc. That's 43%. Um, but they were 7 of 14 in the first half, and they, are, they were at 1.10 of 19. Um, so they just finished 2 for 9 down the stretch as Carolina really clamped down on that area of the court defensively. Free throw shooting, big advantage for Carolina. They were 25 of 31. Uh, meanwhile, Florida State was just 4 of 8. 13 turnovers led to 11 points for the Knowles. 12 Florida State turnovers that led to 18 points for the guys in blue. Um, Carolina won the rebounding margin 39-30. to They had 11 offensive rebounds that led to 8 second chance points. Um, bench points went the favor of Florida State 13-12. to Points in the paint, though, advantage Carolina 34-26. Fast break points in favor of Carolina 16-10. Um, you go back to the 20 fast break points Carolina scored the other night. That's 36 points in in, in the open floor in the last two games. Um, Carolina assisted on 13 of their 24 made baskets, so over half of their baskets were assisted upon. Meanwhile, Florida State just 12 assists on their seven, on their 27 made baskets. Um, the game was tied five times, eight different lead changes. Carolina leads for just 16 minutes and 39 seconds, but they led for the most important part of the game, and that's why that's why they were able to emerge victorious. Let's now transition to the quote of the game, um, where Hubert Davis spoke on the full court press that the team utilized in the second half comeback, and here's his thoughts on that press that guided Carolina to today's win. Like to be honest with you, like you know, our press. That's the first time that we've ever done it after main baskets. It's usually the dead ball, free throw, full court situations. We were pressing off a of main or miss. You just, you know, and I went into the huddle and I said, guys, you like this. You want to continue to do this. And my coach, let's keep doing it. Let's keep doing it. They just, and that's exactly what I wanted to see was some life. And for whatever reason, that press um, got us going. You know, you go back, and when when Anthony and I were previewing the game, uh, he made it. You know, he made a, a, a subtle joke about Carolina could not press enough for my liking. 
Um, and he's right. You know, I said going in, I'd like to see Carolina uh, full court press off of dead balls and out of bat, and, and and then you know whether it's a turnover, uh, made free throw, whatever it was, I'd like to see that full court press get utilized. But today you saw Carolina pick up full court after makes, um, and then, you know that's the first time we've seen it this year. And guys, it's it's I can count on one hand how many times I've seen Carolina do that in my 15-plus years watching this program. Um, and growing up, watching this team play under Roy Williams, I would just ask them to do it because I wanted to see something different, try something different whenever you were struggling defensively. Um, and that was a big reason why Huber Davis went to that today. But let's not, let's not mince any words here. I want them to do it because I believe in it. And I think they are equipped to do it. And you saw the way that it changed the way the game was being played today. It sped Florida State up. It got Carolina in the open court. They were running off of turnovers. They were running off of misses. And it really fueled the 22-0 run. Like, yes, you got to put the ball in the basket. Um, but Carolina's defense led to their offense. And so um, I think at this point, with as much as we saw it, in the first three games of the year, you saw it, you know, throughout the battle for Atlantis. Then you don't see it at all in the Tennessee game. This has got to be a part of the fabric of this team. It's got to be a part of the DNA. Um, th this needs to be something that they need to do early and often and very frequently. And, you know, I know you don't see a lot of teams at full court press for 40 minutes anymore. Um, you know, Rick Patino made it pretty famous winning at a high level doing it at Kentucky at Louisville um, he does it a little bit now at St. John's you know Bob Huggins at West Virginia with full court press and you know it really helped them compete in the Big East in the regular season and the Big 12 but uh, they would usually be worn down by March because they don't have the depth that Carolina has to offer but Carolina's deep they're versatile they've got good defenders you know that can come off the bench you saw it in Seth Tremble. I still believe that Jalen Withers is a quality defender whenever he's engaged. And, and I, I've just come to the point now where I want to and I expect to see this every time Carolina walks on the basketball court um, because they're good at it. And I believe in it. Um, and, you know, look, every team has to play to their strengths to maximize their potential. This is a strength of Carolina. Um, and you saw it on the court once again today let's now move now to the stat of the game and guys i went with free throw shooting carolina was efficient 25 of 31 from the foul line um and as as we talked about going in you know teams were shooting 22 free throws a game against florida state um that's the 12th most in the country um and carolina made it a deliberate action in the uh, in the in the second half to get florida state into foul trouble um, Carolina was in the bonus before the under 12 mark of the second half and they led at the foul line um, throughout the second half and look that's the most efficient shot in basketball it's layups and free throws um, and whenever you're scoring with the clock stop there's no better way to score the ball um, but on the flip side as, 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 as important as it was that Carolina got to the line they didn't put FSU there I mean Carolina made 17 more free throws than Florida State attempted. Um, Carolina made 28 free throws. Florida State 
uh, just shot eight. If you look at the free throw maids, Carolina was plus 21 um, with a 25-4 to advantage in that game. And, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about how this year has looked like the Carolina basketball of old. Guys, this was a staple. And when, when this program was at its best under Coach Smith and under Coach Williams, they were a team that dominated the foul line. And this team, in their seven wins, they've dominated the foul line. And you saw it really show up in today's ball game. Let's now get into uh, our main takeaways and, and, a, and a few discussion topics that we're going to have here tonight. Um, and we'll, we'll go back to that game-changing run that, that Carolina went on in the second half. And, you know, I, I put a tweet out, and you can follow me on Twitter if you're, if you're not already, HTB underscore Josh, where I was like, I, I don't remember the last time this program and this team went on a game-changing 22 nothing run. Um, but that's what happened today. Fueled behind that full-court press that baffled Florida State, got them out of rhythm, and they were forcing turnovers left and right. But, you know, and, and I got a lot of people that were commenting on this that felt like, you know, old-time Carolina basketball. It felt like what they did to Florida State in the 90s in their first-ever ACC game after Sam Cassell ran his mouth and said this is more of a wine-and-cheese crowd. It's why there's just something poetic about watching Florida State blow leads in the Smith Center. But that game-changing run, you know, it felt as much as old-time Carolina basketball as anything we've seen them do in the early part of the season. Um, there were usually two to three games a year that Carolina would go on those types of runs um, that would help them fuel comebacks and help them win games that they probably had no business winning. You haven't really seen that a lot from this team in, in recent years. Um, but this team has spurred ability. You know, you saw it in the comeback against Northern Iowa. You saw it uh, against Arkansas. Um, of course, you saw it the other night against Tennessee as you put up 61 points in the first half. You do that because you're scoring a lot in a short amount of time. And that 22 nothing run was done in, in three and a half minutes. So after a rather underwhelming first 28 minutes of the ballgame or so, Carolina undid that in about a three-minute stretch. Um, and look, that's what championship-caliber teams are capable of doing. They're capable of flipping games upside down and turning losses into wins in a four-minute segment. And look, that's how the game is played. you got eight four-minute segments because you got eight media timeouts. And so... Um, that's a really fun thing to see. Um, and you got to like that it was fueled by Carolina's defense, the full court press, um, the, 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 and it was by everybody. R.J. Davis, Elliot Cadeau getting active in the passing lanes. Seth Trimble was giving them more of a, of a, of a defensive presence on the perimeter. Armando Baycott protecting the rim. It was a total team effort, um, and it was a really – fun and beautiful thing to watch transpire um, on the court this afternoon. The second takeaway is the perimeter defense continues to struggle. Um, you know, you, you, you're you not going to allow many teams to shoot 50% from behind the three-point line in the first half or even 43% from the game and expect to win. And they gave up 12 made threes. Um, that's 36 points. You're talking... You know, just almost half of, or you know, over half of Florida State's points 
came from behind the three-point line. Um, and we, we talked at the beginning of the year, there was a substantial change in the way Carolina was defending pick and rolls and a, and a way to, to continue to go over shooters and make it harder to, to, to let teams cook them from three. It still, appear, or it still appears that this team is still a work in progress on that end of the court. Um, and, you know, for this team to, to reach its, its ultimate ceiling, there's going to need to be substantial improvement on that end of the court in that area of the game specifically because Florida State's not the best perimeter shooting team you're going to see the rest of the way. Um, and I mean, especially as you dip back into non-conference play against the Yukons, the Kentuckys, and the, and the Oklahomas of the world, those are all three teams that can put the ball in the basket and they can do so from the outside. And so um, as, as much as there, there's there's good to feel about this 7-1 start, that is an area uh, that Carolina can and needs to show improvement as the season moves forward. Another takeaway um, and we talked about this a lot going into the game. It does feel like Huber Davis has found his his starting five. And the starting five today was, I think, what the starting five was always going to be come the start of ACC play. And technically, this qualifies as that with this being an ACC game. Um, he started R.J. Davis, Elliot Cadeau, Cormac Ryan, Harrison Ingram, and Armando Baycott. Um, and then those and the, the, the starters combined to score 65 of the 78 points. There's no denying that that is the the five best or, or the, the the best group that Carolina can can put on the court on the offensive end. Um, but that group specifically is going to have to take strides forward on the defensive end of the court for this team to reach its ultimate potential. Um, but, it, you know, I think we were always trending there. Um, and I know as much as I bragged about Paxson Wojcik being a starter when the season started, after predicting that in the summer, um, you saw Jalen Withers in the starting lineup. We've seen Seth Trimble in the starting lineup. That is Carolina's best five. Um, and, you know, it, first off, it speaks volumes about Hubert Davis's being being able to be more flexible this year than he has been in years past. It speaks to the talent that's on the team, the depth that's on the team, um, and his ability to adjust in season. Um, I think it, it validates Elliot Cadeau's decision to reclassify and join the team, you know, a, a year earlier because he's definitely looked the part um, so far in, in, in his early Carolina career. Um, and it also says a lot about Cormac Ryan and Harrison Ingram as transfers establishing themselves as mainstays for this for, for this team. Um, and I would expect that to be the starting five when Carolina takes the court on Tuesday night against UConn in the Garden. And, you know, knock on wood, barring any injuries or anything like that, um, that should be the starting five we see Huber Davis opt for moving forward. With that, though, um, if you if you were watching the game intently, you could also notice, and part of this was that uh, Carolina was down as many as 14 in the second half. Um, with Cadeau starting, Carolina feels a little bit less deep, and the minutes reflect that. 
Um, only Seth Tremble played double-digit minutes off the bench, and he was sensational. You know, in his 14 minutes, he scored nine points, was three of three, three of three from the field, and three of four from the foul line, and was a big part of the full-court pressure that helped turn the game Carolina's way. Outside of that, Jalen Withers and Jalen Washington, they both played seven minutes. Paxson Wojcik played four, and then Zayden High got a run of, of two minutes. Um, you know, I think the most disappointing thing is what you what you've gotten from Jalen Withers the last handful of games, because the the start of the year, a real impactful guy off the bench was doing good things for you offensively while being a lockdown perimeter defender. That guy hasn't been there since the Battle for Atlantis. It didn't it hasn't felt like it. Today, completely disengaged. There were three to four sequences where he just quit on the action and either gave up a bucket or gave up a rebound or you know didn't make plays that were there for him to be or for, for, for there for him to make. And that's um, frustrating. It's kind of what led to Hubert Davis play a short bench the last couple of years. Um, hopefully this is just a, a mini funk that he can get out of. I think Jalen Washington is a guy that even though he only played seven minutes, as, as much as he's done in every game this year, made his impact felt. I mean, he scored two points, grabbed three rebounds, but committed three fouls. I think it was just today with the way that the game was being played, the full-court press, not really something that, that really fits his strong suit, made it hard to get him on the court. Um, and so with Elliot Cadeau being a starter, Carolina's going to have to maximize – um, as much as it can from its bench. Um, you know, you, you, you got 12 bench points, which isn't isn't bad, um, you, you know, all things considered. But, you know, the, 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 the team that you're going to see on Tuesday night in UConn, the, the teams you're going to see as the season moves along that are legitimate contenders in this conference and nationally are eight to nine deep. It feels right now Carolina is a solid eight deep. Um, if you could see one more guy emerge, you'd feel a lot more comfortable and confident about the depth on this roster as we get into ACC play. The last real takeaway um, before I, 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 I get into some of the discussion topics that we're gonna we're gonna talk about here tonight um, is is something that I, I talk about all the time, um, and that's Carolina excelling in the secondary areas the special teams, if you will, um, in basketball. And that is, you know, getting to the foul line where they were plus 21 at the charity stripe tonight. They won the rebounding margin 39 to 30. Um, they won the points in the bank, pa- uh, the, the, the points in the bank paddle uh, 34 to 26. They won the fast break opportunities 16 to 10. Uh, you know, they outblocked Florida State. They outstole Florida State. They did all the little things collectively. Um, and that's that's what this team is going to have to do if it wants to compete for an ACC championship. Um, and not to say that you know other teams in, 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 you know in the past didn't have to do that. Um, but there were some teams that Carolina could could give in some areas and it didn't matter. Like that 09 team, that 12 team, you know, that was a team that was just so gifted and so talented. It didn't matter if they got, you know, outproduced in one area of the game. 
it was going to take a lot for for them to you know for 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 a team to to beat you. Carolina's good, um, and, and this is a team that you know with the, some of the results you saw around the ACC today. You know, this is a team that's more than 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 capable of competing to win this conference, but they've got to play complete basketball, um, and 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 limit their and. <laughs> hide their deficiencies as much as possible and play to their strengths for as close to 40 minutes as possible. And they didn't do it tonight. Tonight they did it for about 12 minutes, but it was enough to get the job done. But, you know, when you look at a box score and you only shoot 42% from the field and only 23% from the three-point line, but you look at the final score and you somehow score 78 points and you win, you probably ask yourself, how do you do that? Well, you do it by scoring 18 points off of turnovers. You do that by scoring 34 points in the paint, by scoring 16 points in transition. Um, all those things really add up, and it really can help you overcome a poor shooting night like you experienced uh, tonight against Florida State. Now let's get into the, the, the few discussion topics um, I have for tonight. I wish Anthony was here to, to talk about me, uh, to talk about these with me. And in case you you just forgot, he's not here. He's having some technical difficulties. Um, and in this day and age, without Wi-Fi that, that works at a high level, it's it's really hard to, to do the, the type of stuff that we, we do here on the podcast. And, you know, the, 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 the plan is that he'll be back when we get ready for the UConn game. But you know, R.J. Davis is off to a brilliant, brilliant start. Um, and we knew all offseason long he was going to be the guy that was going to benefit the most from the decision of Caleb Love to exit the program via the transfer portal. Um, but you're talking about a guy that, you know, the, the, you know the, his third straight game, scoring 27 points or more. He's Carolina's leading scorer um, at 19.4 points per game. And, and, and guys, he's, he's still not shooting the ball where you expect him to shoot the ball. Um, it's still 43% from the field, you know, 35% from the three-point line. So he hasn't even got his numbers to, from an efficiency standpoint um, where you expect him to be. And this is... This is a guy, guys, that was left off the preseason All ACC ballot when when the the, the the local ACC media picked their preseason All ACC teams. His name was nowhere to be found for preseason ACC Player of the Year. His name once again nowhere to be found. If the season ended today, he'd be first team All ACC. And you'd probably say he'd be ACC Player of the Year because of the way he's playing right now for Carolina. Um, and, you know, not not to signal one guy out over a, another, but if, you know, you, you, if you're a longtime listener to the podcast or you follow me on Twitter, there's no denying that R.J. Davis is my favorite player. Um, he's probably entered the top five of my all-time favorite Tar Heels. There's, that's how much love and gratitude I have for the kid. And even he's exceeded my expectation. Um, and I have very high expectations because I know, A, how good he is, 
and B, how motivated he is to respond individually and collectively from the disappointment a year ago. But he's been brilliant. He's been sensational. Um, and, you know, after years of worrying how he would fit in the backcourt with Caleb Love, there's no worries about the way he fits with Elliot Cadeau. They're a perfect blend. They're a perfect marriage. They complement each other. Um, just like Anthony and I do here on the podcast. And, you know, the way R.J. Davis has played so far to start the year individually um, has been really fun to watch. And we know if this team is going to compete at a high level, he's going to be a big reason why. <coughs> Another thing I, I wanted to talk about is you know the, the 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 defensive struggles impacting our outlook for the season. And you know, if you go back to the preseason, Anthony and I picked this team to to finish top three in the league. Um, and they they both had a we both had them making the final four. And this might come across uh, homeristic. I might be seeing this through Carolina blue lens, but um, I still haven't wavered off of that. And, like, I know the defensive struggles are, are real. Um, I had a, 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 a kind person on Facebook, I believe her name was Martha Thomas, um, tell me that the win over Tennessee wasn't important and it wasn't massive because Carolina gave up 92 points. But they gave up 92 points in a game they scored 100. Um, and the Carolina's given up a little over 70 points per game right now. Um, but they're scoring north of 85. And, you know, when you're playing the tempo that Carolina's playing, when you're playing the amount of possessions that Carolina's playing, that's going to happen. Um, you're still going to give up points. But you got to look at it from an efficiency standpoint. They entered today number 10 offensively, according to Kim Palm, and number 37 defensively, according to Ken Powell. So not great, but also not 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 bad enough defensively to, to where you should waver in, in, in your belief in this team. If this team is going to achieve the things that we want them to achieve, um, they're going to have to take a step forward on that end of the floor, in that area of the game. There's no denying that. Uh, but I think you should be confident that it's possible. You've seen them play really good defense, uh, whether it's against mid-major competition or against high-major competition. With the way that their defense fueled their offense in the Arkansas game in the Battle for Atlantis and in the comeback today uh, where they went on a 22-0 run, you can only go on that type of run if you're not giving up baskets. And, and Carolina clamped down on that end of the court and it's it's something that they know internally that when they're bought in, when they're committed in that area, um, this is this 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 is capable, and they're they're capable of being a really solid defensive team. They're not going to be the Virginias of the world, the Tennessees of the world. This isn't a program that's built to win games defensively. It's just not. Um, you know, historically, this has been an offensive-driven program, um, and it's led to a lot of winning, a lot of success, and that's not going to change 
anytime soon. The last thing I want to talk about, um, and, and I'll, I'll reference my tweet again about you know the the, the game changing run, is I got a lot of people in my mentions that said, "Man, it felt like it felt like a game that Coach Smith was coaching." And you know, then not to say these these games didn't happen under Coach Williams, but these these games happened very often under Coach Smith, where Carolina would not be playing great, be struggling, and then they would turn on the light switch and they would go on a big run. Um, the crowd would get into it, and the crowd today I thought was sensational. Um, there's nothing like afternoon games in the ACC in the Smith Center. And you heard that on display today. Um, and, you know, for all those people that are longtime Carolina fans that got to watch this this program be coached by the legend like Coach Smith was, to see and to hear that, I think what it does is it reinforces that Hubert Davis is the right man for the job. And, you know, and this is coming from a guy that fired Coach Davis in his first year and rode him off after back-to-back blowout losses. I think you're seeing this year, A, the man can coach, and B, he's the right man for the gig because, uh, you, you know, he played at Carolina, which is important. He played at Carolina under Coach Smith. And then he was an assistant at Carolina under Coach Williams. Like, he's the perfect blend. Having played here, having played for the legendary coach that really founded and set the program on its path to what we believe is the best program in college basketball. And then he was mentored by a guy that is in the same breath as Coach Smith as as a coach. And um, I, I think for those older Carolina fans... You should be tickled to death that Hubert Davis is your head coach. And you're watching a guy that um, is is going to do a lot of things that this program did very successfully in the 80s and the 90s. You know, and it's, it's really fun to watch. And it, it's, what, it's what makes Carolina unique. It's what makes Carolina special. And, it what's, and it's another thing that makes them different from every other Blue Blood in the country, like you look at the Indianas, the Kansases, the Kentuckys, how many coaches have coached there that played there and played under a legendary head coach, were assistants there and were assistants under a legendary head coach, and then became the head coach and was forging his own path while furthering on, while furthering on the history and the tradition. Coach Davis is in, you know, Rare air as one of the only few guys to do that. Um, and if you weren't on the board the Hubert Davis train before, that's okay because this podcast host wasn't either. But there's time to get on. And there's time for you to, to get all aboard because, um, A, I don't think he's going anywhere. And, B, you shouldn't want him to go anywhere because, you know, in 2023, Hubert Davis is the, the best man for the job and so uh, that is going to wrap up guys this edition of the podcast but before we let you go we do encourage you guys to visit the website that's heeltoughblog.com where you can find a recap of the game um as i continue to take you through the 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 basketball season 
course, I'll be getting you ready for the showdown with UConn uh, next week as well. Uh, Football-wise, Carolina will find out its bowl destination on Sunday. We'll have you covered with that news. And, of course, the transfer portal. Carolina's up to 11 guys have already entered the transfer portal. And Anthony has written about every single one of them, um, and, and including the transfer Carolina has brought in. The quarterback from Texas A&M, Max Johnson. So make sure you're checking the website. That's HeelToughBlog.com for the latest Carolina basketball and Tar Heel football news and notes. As for the podcast, guys, you know where to find us. Every major podcasting platform, just simply search the Four Corners podcast and we will pop up. We're there. We do encourage you guys to rate, review, and subscribe. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the basketball season. But with that, guys, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. I hope to have Anthony back with me next week. I want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, Go Tar Heels! Guys, it just doesn't get any sweeter than that! Raise a spoon to Grandma, who always took all the hungry cousins to McDonald's for McNuggets and the Play Play Slide. Have something sweet in her honor. Come to McDonald's and treat yourself to the Grandma McFlurry today. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And participate in McDonald's for a limited time.